0: Today we're going to be talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit that is at work in all of us here today. If you're a Christian, if you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and he is your Lord, you have the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life, period. Amen? Amen. Or else you wouldn't be here. The reason why you're here, you're hungry to hear the word, you want to be in the church, is because there's a power that's working in you that's bigger than yourself. You could, you could be at the beach right now. <laughs> Amen. You could be at the park having a picnic, or you can be in bed still sleeping. But you're here. Why? Because there's a power that's greater than you that is working in your life. You may not know it or understand it, but it's working in your life because you're a Christian. Amen. How many people here need to change? Oh, you're learning. Because remember, the first time I asked that question, like two people raised their hands. Now everybody, now everybody's raising their hands. If you did not raise your hand, you're a liar. Or you, you didn't understand what I just said because you don't understand English. <laughs> or you don't believe you need to change. My wife says, oh, you need a bigger change. <laughs> Let's try it again. How many people here need change in their life? Amen. Oh, yes. We do. We all do. Okay? And in case, just in case you still don't believe it, ask the person who knows you. They'll tell you <laughs> that you need to change. So we all believe that we need to change. The question, the question is, how do we change? Right? We all believe we need to change. We hear people telling us we need to change. The question is, how do we change? How? What do I do? What do I have to do to change me? Have you noticed we spend our entire lives trying to change other people? When we forget that the real person that needs to be changed is me. But we don't face the me because we have no clue what to do with the me. So we go around judging and criticizing, trying to change others because we don't feel like, we feel like we know better than they do. And God wants you to focus on you. And here's the good news of the gospel. You don't need to be afraid of you. You don't need to be afraid of the things that you don't know what to do in your life and about you. God, because God knows you. He died for this you that you don't understand and hate sometimes. He loves this you that you sometimes will rather hide him than to show him in public. He loves that you. And he knows exactly how to fix broken people. He knows how to fix you. He's got the nuts and he's got the bolts. Maybe you think you're a nut. <laughs> but he's got the bolts and he's got the right nut to fix you and your problems, your, 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 to fix you. Only he knows you. Can you say amen to that? As a Christian, we still have problems. We still have personal problems that we don't know how to solve, and that's a good thing because God allows that because he wants to show you that he has the answer for your problems. And some of us think that to be a Christian is easy. Easy peasy, right? It's easy. Just confess Jesus, you're in. And then from there on, it's just smooth sailing. I wish it was like that, really. I wish it was a carnival cruise line. But it's not. Many times it's more like World War III at times. And the reason why it's like that, because we need to be changed, and we resist that change. So to be a Christian, honestly, it's a miracle. It is a miracle. First of all, to be born again, salvation is a miracle. And everything that comes after that is also another miracle. Because only he's going to do things in your life that you've never, ever were able to do on your own by yourself. It's a miracle. But the problem is that some Christians think that to live the Christian life is easy and they can do it on their own. Just go through the routines, look religious, and that's all it takes. If that was all that it takes, then why would God give us his spirit? He gave us his spirit because we can't live the Christian life apart from the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. You can be religious. Dress religious, look religious, but you're not changed, and you're not being changed. So to be a Christian means that you depend and you live in the power of the Holy Spirit. So the key for our transformation that we all want to change that, I mean, we got it on camera, so it's, it's done. It's on, it's on video. We see everybody. Everybody needs to change it, so it's, it's, it's recorded. Amen? In case one day you forget. <laughs> I'll show it back to you. Listen, you raise your hand, so right there. It's, it's done. It's, it's filed away. It's legal, okay? <laughs> you need change. The good news is Jesus is in the business of changing us. And he gave us this, his very Holy Spirit to help us in our transformation. So there's good news for you here today. Tap your neighbor and say, there's good news for you. Amen? <laughs> we need power, and we got the power. <laughs> We've got the power. Tap your neighbor and say, I've got the power. power. Say it again, I've got the power. power. (laughs) You know, we have enormous difficulties. We have enormous difficulties in our road of sanctification and transformation. We've got ingrown habits. How many of you have ingrown habits? You bite your nails all the time. You've got fears that won't go away, insecurities that plague you all the time, sleepless nights because you're worried about what's going to happen the next day, lustful thinking, lustful desires, Hmm? how about greed that won't go away, how about alcoholism, how about smoking, all these things, that's just to mention a few, now don't get quiet on me. Because I don't say these things to condemn us. Because in the gospel, there's no more condemnation. We can be open about our sins. Because we don't need to hide anymore. Christ is our righteousness. And he's already proved us. He already did for us what we could never do for ourselves, which is to give us salvation. Give us forgiveness of sins. It's done. So when I bring out, so when I open your skeleton closet... Okay? You don't need to be ashamed of it. You need to acknowledge that it's there and Christ is working in us in order to clean the closet. Yes. But he knows what's in there. Yes. Yes. And we don't need to be ashamed of it. So don't, don't be fearful, okay, if I bring up some stuff. It's, it's okay. In the gospel, it's okay. We deal with it in the power of the Holy Spirit, but we don't walk in shame of it. We admit it, okay, we're truthful about it, okay, we renounce it, we don't want to live that way, but we don't, we don't hide it, we're open about it. As so, a matter of fact, the more you're open about it, the more you see healing and power come to help you overcome it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we have ingrown habits, we have a persistent flesh. You know, the anger, the jealousies, the fightings, the overeating. Hello? Overeating! Yes, it's called gluttony. All right, move on, Pastor, to something else. Okay. <laughs> How about attacked by the world and by the devil? Every day you're attacked with bombardments of advertisements and and things that the world says you have to do in order to fit in and be cool. That is not godly sometimes. How about the devil who is always trying to entice you and to lead you in the path of sin? So you have all these battles that are going on in us and around us. But see, in the midst of all that, God is at work. And in the midst of all that, God's power is greater than the world. As a matter of fact, he even said to himself, I have overcome the world. Amen. He's greater than the devil because he himself said, I saw the devil fall from heaven as lightning. And it's he who said, I give you power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing by any means shall hurt you. So Jesus has power over the devil. And He is Lord over your flesh. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Your flesh is not going to have its way, even though he thinks it has its way. Yeah. Jesus is Lord. And Jesus knew exactly what we would need even before we would need it. I'm going to show you a scripture in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 24, Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 24. He said, "For I will take you out of the nations." Now, this is a s- scripture in the Old Testament, so there's some reference to Israel, but the majority of is referring to us, the church, everybody who is in Christ. "For I will take you out of all the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities." That's another way of saying I will forgive you of all your sins. And from all your impurities and from all your idols, I will give you a new heart. With a new heart will come new desires. New disposition. You know, you're here today because there's new desires at work in your heart. You want to be with other Christians, because what? There's new desires in your heart. I remember a time in my life where the last thing that I wanted to do and be is in church with other Christians. I ran from them like the plague. Oh, number one, because they were always condemning me. <laughs> number two, because in my heart, I had no desire to be with them. Now, that's the only group of people that I want to be with. I love Christians. Do you love Christians? Amen. Good. <laughs> so there are new desires in your heart that are working. Something that came from places that you don't understand and ways that you don't understand, but it's a supernatural work that God began to do. And this is a promise that he said way back in the Old Testament. He said, I'm going to do this. Okay? I'm going to work from the inside out. Okay? I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit In you. I'm glad he took out the old spirit. Amen. Amen. And he put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. In other words, he's gonna work in us in such a way that we're going to want to do what he wants us to do. Isn't that wonderful? So with Jesus, it's no longer going to be just wishful desires. Oh, I wish I could do this. With him, no, he's going to actually make you want to do it and give you the power to do it as well. It's the work of the Holy Spirit, okay? So he's going to give you a heart of flesh. He's going to put his spirit in you and move you to follow his decrees and be careful to keep his laws, and then you will live in the land that I give you. Answer that has to do with the Jews, of course. But the key point here is that He will give us a new heart, He will put a new spirit in me and you, and He will lead us to obey Him and follow His ways. Amen. So, why isn't this happening with me? It seems like all hell has broken loose, it seems so hard and difficult sometimes to obey. Oh, you know what that is? A struggle. If you are struggling, that's good news. How could struggling be good news? I don't understand me sometimes. I want to do good, then I don't do good. I'm confused. Well, if you're confused, you ought to read Romans chapter 7 because Paul had the same problem. He says, one day I want to do good and wind up doing bad. One day I want to do bad and I do bad. <laughs> Isn't that like us sometimes? Yeah. And then when we do bad, we hate ourselves for it. Why did I do this? Jesus helped this thing? And you're in ba- It's called a struggle. See, when you are not saved, you do the bad and you love the bad, and you sleep in the bad, and you feel comfortable in the bad. And you may feel bad later because of the consequences of the bad, but you still like the bad. But when you're a Christian, you may even do bad, but you feel horrible about it because you know that the the bad is not the bad or the good place for you to be in. And you struggle because that's not where you want to be. That's that's where you, you don't believe you should be. But you want to be in the good instead, but there's a struggle that goes on. Well, guess what? That struggle is good news. It's good news. Why? Because there's some power, a great power that Jesus prophesied back in the Old Testament that will be at work in you to help you overcome the badness in your life. And that struggle is called a fight. The Holy Spirit is saying, no, that's not what you were called for. That's not what I saved you to do. And I, here I am. Use me. I'm your power source. You need help to overcome that? Come to me. I have all the power that you need. But until you learn how to depend on that power, there's going to be a struggle. There's going to be a fight. But keep in mind, the struggle is good. It's a sign that God is working in your life. Tap your name and say, God is working in your life. (laughs) So the next time you do something bad and you feel horrible about it and you feel like that's not for you, say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Next time you struggle with something, say, thank you, Jesus. But take the next step as well. Learn to trust God. Trust his power. To help you, not just to struggle, but to walk away from the struggle victorious. Amen. Look at what God promises to do with us. In Acts chapter 1.8, look how the Holy Spirit works in us. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Say with me, power. power. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes. He brings power. The word power here in the Greek is the Greek word dunamis, where we get our word dynamite. That's how much power is in us. Okay? It's a dynamite power that is at work in us. Next one, Romans 15:13. It says, May the God of hope fill you with a joy, all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may be overflowing with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. How many here say you need more hope in your life? Keep in mind, this word hope here is not wishful thinking. (laughs) Because when we say hope, it's like, oh, I wish this would happen. I wish something better would happen. No, hope in the Bible is not wishful thinking. The word hope means a confident expectation. So the Holy Spirit's power will work in us to the degree that we will have a confident expectation that God He's doing something beautiful in my life, and he has a bright future for me. So it's not just, oh, I hope this will happen. It's, I know this is going to happen because Christ is at work in my life. He gives us that confidence, okay? 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Power. And where do you think that power comes from? The Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. So Christianity is not just blah, 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 blah. Good preaching only. Good teaching. It's not just talk. It's power. Power to change you. Power to change me. Okay? Okay? You need to keep that in mind, because a lot of people see Christianity as dry religion, just like any other religion. Just go through the routines. No, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ, someone you can depend on, relate to, talk to, and trust in and lean on. And in that relationship, he gives you his power to overcome all the Badness in your life. Amen. Amen. And live in his goodness. Okay? Amen. All right. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.5. Because our, because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction, you know how we lived among you for your sake. So, once again, the Holy Spirit gives you power and he gives you deep conviction. You're going to have deep conviction, believing of what God is doing and has for your life. (laughs) Hallelujah. So no one will be able to convince you that you are not a Christian, that God doesn't love you, that God is not for you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit gives you deep conviction about the truths of the Bible for your life. Nobody will be able to talk you out of it. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. If people talk you out of your Christianity, then you're not a Christian. Then you need to get saved. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, he will testify in your heart that you are his child. Yes! And no, but man, I like this clapping. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it's been a long time since i ever actually experienced this. So more clapping, please. <laughs> He'll give you deep conviction. So nobody will be able to deceive you Amen. in your faith. The power of the Holy Spirit. That's what He does for you. Okay? Next one, 2 Timothy 1 7. For the Spirit of God gave us, for the Spirit of God gave us does not make us timid, for, but He gives us power, love, and self discipline. I think another version of the Bible says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. So if you're fearful today, okay, and you're a Christian, you need to remember these verses. And you need to claim them and believe them. And say bye-bye to fear and hello to God's power. Actually, the reason why we, we walk in fear is because we're not believing what God said. And many times it's because we don't know what he says. But God wants us to know it. Because by knowing it, we're going to believe it. And by believing it, we're going to see the power manifesting in our lives. It's the Holy Spirit. You know, just this week, you know, my my son's car had a problem. Um, He couldn't get the gear shifter into, um, into park. And because of that, the key couldn't come out of the ignition. Because one works with the other, you know. You know, you can't really get the key out or get the key in unless the lever is in park. So what do they do? They call Mr. Mechanic here. They assume I know everything that there needs to know about a car. And I like the feeling of people thinking that I know everything. But in reality, I, I don't know everything. I act like I do, but I really don't know. So they called me, and I said, okay, let me check it out. So I'm there, you know, working with it, and they're looking at me like they're waiting for me to come up with this this, this smile on my face that says I fixed it because they think I know everything. But I'm there instead trying to get this thing back into park, and I'm sweating, and after about two hours, (laughs) I gave up. I gave up. And they said, what do you mean you gave up? I said, I don't know what to do. What do you mean you don't know what to do? I said, I read my lips. I don't know what to do. I've never seen this problem before. I've changed water pumps, radiators. i changed radiators. (laughs) Radiators, radiators, tomato, tomato, whatever. So I've done a lot of things, but I've never seen, I've never seen, actually never seen a key stuck in the ignition that wouldn't come out. And you know what I thought? I said, I'm going to yank this sucker. I'm going to use all the brute force. Then all of a sudden something said to me, if you do that, you're going to break everything. Then I said, "No, nope, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so I went back in I said, and I gave them the bad news. I said, listen, um, I have no idea what to do. Then they began to freak out. Oh, my God, this is going to cost a fortune. You know how BMW mechanics are. They'll charge you $120 an hour to take a key out. I said, I'm sorry, I don't know what to do. So I said, well, Caleb, why don't you go on the Internet and start redoing some research? Maybe other people had the same problem and they can help you with some uh, information. So he began to funnel around the Internet and, and he came up with some things. And I went out, did some errands. When I came back, my wife and Alexia were at the door smiling at me. <laughs> Where is she? There she is. <laughs> smiling at me. And I'm like, you know, when people stop and stare at you and smile, you begin to think things. Why are they smiling at me? First thing that came to my mind is that they need money. <laughs> right? When people are nice to you, you're like, okay, they want something from me. <laughs> they want money. <laughs> then I noticed it wasn't money. Then I began to think some other things like, okay, some, they did something really bad in the house. They broke something. And they're smiling because they're trying to get me in a good mood before I go into the house and find out the horribleness of what they did. Then they kept on smiling. And I said, okay, the next thing, I'm going to ask them why are they smiling. (laughs) So I went to them. And they said, check the car. I said, what about the car? I said, check the car. So I, I went to the car. I sat down. And I was ready to work on the lever again when I noticed the key wasn't there. I said, what? Who did this? I should have done this. (laughs) And then Alexia comes out. I did it. I said, you did this? I was in shock, honestly. I was in shock. I I did not expect that to happen. Not Alexia. She doesn't know anything about cars except driving them. But she knows nothing about cars. So I said, "Oh my, you, you actually, I thought she was kidding at first, but then she affirmed. She said, no, I did it. I said, how'd you do it? She said, well, I thought about opening up the, the, um, the, the, the box area where the lever sits on top. You know how there's that little area where you can pull up to work in the lever underneath. She said, I just thought about taking that up and looking inside. And guess what I found? I said, what would you find? A coin. A coin was in between the lever and where it stopped, so it was always hitting on the coin, so it wouldn't fully engage into park, and that's why you couldn't take the key out. A coin. A coin, people. A coin. It took a genius to find out that there was a coin blocking the way. I'm going to write that on my book of mechanics. Next time you have a lever problem, check the coin. Look for the coin. You know, Alexa, this story represents the Holy Spirit. In her case, she had no idea what she was doing. She was just exploring. (laughs) And she found the problem exploring. I need to have much more experience, had no clue what to do. I represent you and me. Always trying to fix our problems, thinking we know what to do because we have experience, we have education, we have training. So, yeah, I can do this thing. I can live my Christian life. I can, I can lick this. And then you're going to find yourself, like me, you two hours trying to put a car into park. A simple thing that you and I do every day, just put the car. We don't even think twice. We just put it into park. I couldn't do it because there was something in the way. But it takes somebody, it took somebody who I didn't even consider asking for assistance. That actually came and solved my problem. Actually, Caleb's problem, not my problem. Amen. That's how it is with the Holy Spirit. We sometimes think that he is not enough to change us, that there really isn't enough power there to change us. Or even worse, we think that he doesn't care that much about us. Dude, if he died for you, if he died for your sins, even before you were born, he already knew who you would be, and he died for you anyway. What makes you think he's not going to take care of you? If you already know how bad you would be, you and I would be. And yet he even died knowing that. What makes you think he's not going to continue to work in us? You know, he like a gambler, he took all his chips and he put it in. He says, I'm gonna put everything into this. But the good thing is that he's not a gambler. There's not a risk. When he puts it all in, it's because he knows he's going to win. Amen. He, can, he can make it win. <laughs> so in the end, we're going to win. Actually, we're already winning right now because he already won the war for us. So we think the Holy Spirit is not enough power. You can't understand him or he doesn't care about you that much. And you're so wrong. And that is called deception. He loves you, cares about you, and he is for you. Amen. And the stuff that you don't know what to do, he knows. Yes. All you have to do is trust him. Amen. Because as we saw in scripture, the power comes from him. Yes. Amen, church. Let me share, just share one more scripture with you. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Watch this. You foolish Galatians. Wow. Who has bewitched you before your very eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed crucified? I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing? Is it really, if it really was for nothing? Does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you because you ob- observe the law or because you believe what you heard? If you're here and you're thinking, well, okay, what's the link between me and the Spirit working in my life with that power that you talked about? What's that that link? Here's the link. It's called believing believing what you hear. Believing what you hear. Believing what you hear. Believing what you hear. It didn't say doing. It said believing. Okay? Because the Galatians, as Paul said, began believing, but they fell into doing again. Thinking that by their doing, their activity, they would be changed. And Paul says and calls them fools for thinking that way. You know, I was looking up this word fool, and the word means. Imprudent, watch this, not imprudent, which means not showing care for the consequences of an action. So when we say a person is a fool, we're saying that person is imprudent because he's not taking into consideration the consequences of his actions. In other words, he's impulsive. He does things without thinking things through. And watch this. The origin of this word um, imprudent is from the Latin, and it means to not foresee or not foresee a problem that may occur. So when Paul says, you foolish Galatians, he's saying, you imprudent Galatians, you're not foreseeing the consequences that may come if you try to depend on your own flesh, on your own strength, to try to produce something good in your life. That's what he was really saying. And I guarantee that that's where a lot of us are here today. We didn't see that not trusting in Christ and his words and the power that comes by trusting and believing would bring to you, instead you go off and you try to manage your Christian, manage your life, micromanage your sins, micromanage your your weaknesses. (laughs) And then what happens is you fall into despair because you begin to see there's no power there. You can't manage your sins. You can't manage your flesh. You can't manage the world. You can't manage the devil and his activity against your life. That's why Paul said, "You are fools. You're imprudent. You're not seeing ahead what's going to happen to you." You begin well. You begin by believing. Okay? By believing what was preached to you, what was taught to you. And because you believed, you began to see miracles amongst you by the Holy Spirit. But then you fell back into Christian activity and relying on your strength. You fools. Okay? So, and he says, you have suffered so much for nothing. (laughs) How many would say I'm in that category right here? I have suffered the consequences of relying on my strength for so long. For nothing. So the way you're going to experience God's power in your life, okay, it all goes back to faith. It's trusting. Trusting that what God says about you is true. And for that to happen sometimes, it means that you're going to have to expose yourself to the word. Hear messages all the time. Read your Bible. Come to the prayer meeting. It's not religious activity. It's acts of faith. Believing. (laughs) You know, we hear so much garbage out in the world, we need to start hearing what God has to say about us. And then as you hear the word and hear his, 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 his promises for you, okay, that is going to bring faith to your heart. When that faith comes into your heart from hearing the word, the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing the word. That faith, when it comes into your heart, it activates the power of the Holy Spirit to work in your life. So the more you hear, the more you're hearing the word, the more you're hearing the teachings of the, of the word the more faith is going to come to you, the, your faith is going to increase, and you're going to see the activity, the power of the Spirit of God more and more in your life. Yeah. Pretty soon you're going to be happy with a smile on your face. You're going to see ingrown habits begin to, to, to change in your life. Now you, your desires are increasing towards some things that you couldn't even go after before. Now even your physical appearance is changing Everything begins to change. Why? Because there's there's power working in you. And it's not because of how good of a Christian you are. It's because of how well you're believing God and his promises for your life. So when we believe right, we live right. So if you're trying to live right without believing right first, then you're going to be like the Galatians. You're going to be deceived, imprudent, not seeing the consequences of that bad decision. You're a fool. So you have to believe. And to believe, you must know. And when you do that, the Spirit begins to work in you and empower you. And transform you, equip you, and He'll help you in your fight against your flesh. Yeah. Okay, He will be there for you. So it's not automatic, even though He's in you. It's, but it's not automatic. You have to believe amen. what the Word amen. says. Amen. How many here want to believe more? Amen. Yeah, you've got to believe more. Amen. To Amen, Church. Zechariah 4 6, it says, not by might, not by power, but by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm on podcasts. (laughs) What are you saying, Pastor? Listen to me. I'm on YouTube. There's other great preachers on podcasts on YouTube. There's your Bible. Remember your Bible? There's your Bible. God gives us the means for us to learn. We have to use them. Okay? So if you're here and you're saying, oh, I haven't seen God move in my life, well, now you have the answer why. Because you've been very active as a Christian, maybe, but you haven't taken time to actually believe. So that is the answer to believe. So we want to be stronger believers, right? When I say stronger, I mean we want to believe everything that Jesus says about us. Do you receive this today?